Ebenezer Scrooge is probably one of the best known characters of Christmas stories ever. A film critic has said, however, that this story should not be restricted to Christmas because there is that in it of the human nature from which we can learn all year through. Christmas, the worship of Christ, Christmas is for every day. This film version is the first one I ever saw as a child in Trinidad. So those of you who like personal stories, there it is, black and white, Ebenezer Scrooge, Christmas Carol. Something you may not know, however, is that this story was written and published in 1843. The first 6,000 copies of it sold out within five days of Christmas. And it was written in the midst of the time when Christmas activity, what we call the commercialization of Christmas, was ramping up. The first Christmas cards ever exchanged were exchanged in that year. And Charles Dickens, one I like to call a literary prophet, recorded in this story some things we can learn for every day of the year. And so I share these with you. Alistair Sim is superb at playing the role. And every time I see this film, every year, of course, I have several versions of it. I don't just watch this one. I have to watch them all. But when I see this one, I want to braid his hair into a hundred tiny plaits with a cowbell at the end of each one so that every time he says, bah humbug, they would go, ah! <laughs> An annoying man, very annoying man. I don't like Scrooge much, not at this part of the story. And part of the reason is I think, yeah, I'm not like him. I'm better at Scrooge. So all the funny bits I can laugh at because they're not me. He's mean. I'm polite. He's stingy. And I like to give presents, especially when I don't have to. It's fun. I'm poor, but I don't care. I want the joy of giving. He hates Christmas. And that's a problem. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. So I feel that I could stand back, away from Scrooge, and say, mm, I've got it together, Mr. Scrooge, and you don't. But there's something in this story 
that places me right alongside Scrooge. And that is my tendency to think that my small world is all the world there is. Scrooge lived in a very tight box of his own making. His view of the world was simple. I want, I want, I want, I get, I get, I get, and I keep, I keep, I keep. This was it. He thought he was wiser than everyone for being just like that. You heard him say, everybody else's business is not my business. My business occupies me all the time. And that's what's important. He thought he was right. He did start out trying to do the right thing, however. He worked for a very generous soul. He loved what he did, and he wanted to be the best at his job. There's no problem with that at all. But he worked so hard at being better than everyone else that he forgot what it was like to be a warm-blooded, caring member of his society. He tied all his efforts at achievement into a box around himself, a very tight and limited box, so that he lost sight of the very thing that was a problem for him initially. And that was his fear of being left out, left alone. He had been, as a child, pushed out of a warm family circle where he could be accepted and loved. And Scrooge somehow got that all tangled up into everything else that he did in life. And it became a box in which he lived. He became his worst nightmare. The kind of person who was so focused on himself that he completely forgot that he was part of a community of people for whom he should care because they were his business. And you hear that rehearsed a number of times in the story. People are my business. It's a small world after all. Know that one? It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. It's a small, small world. Let's sing it. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. It's a small, small world. It's small. It's my small world. I like it that way. Don't change it. I may not be smart like Scrooge about money, but I can't deny that it's real easy for me 
to get caught up in trying to do the right thing. The right thing, of course, based on my own limited point of view. My preferences in life. What's good for me. My habits. My judgments about people. Where I go. What I know. That I become, after all, for all intents and purposes, the center of my own universe. And everybody else, and everybody else, and everything else, bah, humbug. I may not be stingy in the way the Scrooge is shown to be stingy, but I need caring people in my life because without them, I will forget that the one thing that makes me special is you and you and you, 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 you. You make me special. I am not special because of me. I'm special because of you. You are the world. You and everyone else I, account, I encounter are the world that is my business. The world is not necessarily across an ocean or several hundred miles along a freeway. The world is right around me all the time. And that world is my business, wherever life takes me. Yes, I may be careful about doing right things. I may be careful about being with the right people. I may be hooked, line and sinker to a schedule that would amaze you. But if that rightness is keeping me away from knowing and being known for the sake of the gospel, our theme for the year, then my box is too tight. Because God's good news and God's grace and God's love is not a gift to be held in a box. It is a gift, yes, a very precious gift, but it's a gift to be given away and shared with the whole world. That's the news of the day. Sharing God's love is our business and with the world that is our business. I love this. Here at Hope we have what I have dubbed a world-class mission statement. Reach out to the world around you and share the everlasting love of God. 
and you discerning folks may have already noticed that it resembles a famous passage in Matthew. Go and make disciples of all the nations. So our classic version here at Hope rides on this message from our Lord. So let's look at that again and read it together with all the energy and verve that you could muster. Because you know me, I bounce. And so I want you to bounce with me today with this story. Reach out to the world around you and share the everlasting love of God. We can do that again. Reach out to the world around you and share the everlasting love of God. It's not for a box. But what does that mean exactly? And our scripture verse today helps us come to terms with that by looking at someone who had his world shaken. Peter wasn't mean or stingy, he wasn't rude. He did all the right things. He memorized the laws required of him so that he could be faithful to his religious traditions. Yet in all the doing of those right things, from God's point of view, Peter was still living in a little box, a box too tight for this good message. So when we look at chapter 10, not just the section that we read today, but start from the beginning, we notice that there's someone involved in the story, the someone to whom Peter is preaching in our text for today. That person was Cornelius. Peter went on several mission trips this time. He went to Lydda, he went to Joppa on the beach, and then he was summoned a little farther up the coast to Caesarea, where Cornelius lived. Cornelius was having another world-shaking experience as well. Cornelius, the Bible tells us, was a worshiper of God. He was worshiping, and he had an experience with a messenger who required that he send for Peter. Cornelius was a Roman, centurion, prominent in that political system, which meant that he couldn't make mistakes as critical as the one he made in this chapter. Romans believed in worshiping. They loved worshiping gods. And among those gods, Caesar was top of the heap. So for a Roman centurion, who had responsibilities that went beyond the bounds of, I'll just go to church this weekend and, and hear about this Jesus thing. For him to decide that he was going to invite 
a disciple of Jesus into his home to tell him about this God was a critical issue. It meant treason. It meant he could die for this. Not just sent off with pay for the rest of his life or losing his title, lose his head, lose his life. That's what that meant for Cornelius. So it was that important when he made the decision to send for Peter. Peter, on the other hand, was having his own little experience. Peter didn't know that he lived in this tight box. Even in all his willingness to be what God wanted him to be, Peter was still limited by his living experience, the rules he had learned, the codes that kept his temple membership up to date. And temple membership was important. If you didn't know or didn't, weren't aware that being a member of that temple was a critical issue, take a walk through the Gospels again and note the stories and the circumstances that reference the temple. And you'll understand. It was important to Peter's faith life. In his devotion to Jesus, he loved Jesus, wanted to do what Jesus wanted him to do. He didn't really understand that when Jesus said world, he actually meant world. W-O-R-L-D, in all ways, in all things, Peter, I am interested in the world. This good news of grace, way too big for a box. And our chapter 10 helps us get that picture. Stories are told several times within the course of that chapter so that we learn because the change you see that God was making in Peter's life was meant for us as well. Followers of the way. God's good news is not a tight box for you to hold for yourself. It is one that says to you, reach out and share. Reach out and share. Whatever gets in the way of that is not going to work and a change is going to come. Peter found himself hungry, and right now I'm quite hungry, and some of you may be too, so I get that this is a vulnerable place to be when you're hungry. He was waiting for a meal, and that was a rough place to be. Hungry, waiting, he was vulnerable, and that was the place where God met Peter. God changed everything. God got Peter's attention. Scrooge met three spirits. Peter had his vision three times, and I wonder, I wonder if three has anything to do with anything. We have a saying, third time's a charm. I don't know what that means. If you've studied that sort of thing with numbers, let me know. But as Peter experienced these visions, 
He understood that he was seeing God present to him foods that he was told not to eat. But by the third time, Peter understood it was not just about the food. God was doing something bigger, something radical, something that was going to make that gospel that Peter had a hold of in his heart and his knowledge and his understanding, move it out of the ordinary, move it out of the routine. It could not be repressed into a box of religious practices. When God said to Nicodemus, I love the world, John 3.16, God was making good on this promise as he spoke to Peter. It's not about your list, it's not about your rules, it's not about your Sabbaths, keeping them, it's not about your holy days. All those things have a place, but they are not God's priority. God's priority is people everywhere. The world is God's business. All people are God's business. And they must also be yours, Peter. They must be yours, Ellie. They must be yours. Radical news for a first century disciple because Peter grew up learning that he was part of a special group of people, an extra special family, trademarked, set up for God and God's purposes. But Peter couldn't see until God shook it into him that the family was bigger than he understood. So God had to bring change. And when God brings change, we won't be able to ignore that God is speaking and bringing change. God allows us to run, as I have, God had to really smack my box flat. I wasn't smart enough to begin to get that spiritually when my father moved our family from Trinidad to another island in the northern part of the West Indies. I thought for years that I would go back home. This is where I belong. This is what I'm supposed to do. Go back home and be whatever it is I'm supposed to be there. That was my box. And I cannot tell you the number of times God said to me, no, my box is bigger. My box is bigger. My story is bigger. You can't put a label on it. You can't put a lid on it. I have the deepest pleasure this morning of introducing you in this room to two of the people that helped me understand God blowing my box wide open. It took years for me to get there. And one of the signature moments in my life was learning that 
I am in this moment, at this time, doing what God wanted me to do forever. This is where I belong. And this is not a comfortable place to be in. Nobody wants to be served up for Sunday lunch after a sermon. But this is kind of where you are going to be if this is the specific way God wants you to serve and share God's news. So I will ask my mom and dad, my college parents, to stand where you are, Vincent Verla Williams, and I will show you what God looks like when God says, get out of that box. We met each other years ago, 1969, and they have kept a hold of me ever since that time, and that matters a lot. My parents are gone, they're still here. A vanilla version of my parents, yes. <laughs> and I love them to pieces. But this is what God does when God shakes you out of your box. Fear of doing this thing, of sharing God's good news, is not to get in the way of God's plan for not just you, not just me, but the whole world. Rich Selden had an interesting perspective on things. He used the word perspective. God changed his perspective, got him out of the box that he had put himself in when it comes to understanding that the world of people are his business. Let's listen to Rich as he shares. I'm a list maker. I love to make a list. I wake up in the morning and figure out the tasks that I need to accomplish for the day and then write them all down, get them organized in an order and kind of map out a plan and have a strategy for the day. It's good. Through the day, I have a plan of action. I can execute my tasks. I can check them off. At the end of the day, I can see what I've gotten done. It feels good. It feels like I've accomplished something. There's some control involved, some power. Now, part of that involves interacting with people. I interact with a lot of people every day. I mean, I interact with people at work, that's my job. I interact with my family at home. I interact with people at church with the responsibilities I have and, and people that I meet out and about. I'm, I'm always having interactions, relationships with them. And they're for a purpose. I have items on my list I wanna check off and get done. I wanna click them and at the end of the day say, I've done that. That's a problem. Because when I do that, I've turned a person into a task. <laughs> Not a good thing. And God's been working on me about that. When I became a Christian, God began to rewrite the way I look at things and look at people to change my perspective so that I don't look at things the way I used to. See, 
People are not tasks to be accomplished. They're opportunities. They're people that God loves, that people that God values, and that God has a plan and a purpose for their life, just like he does for me. God wants me to look at people that way, to see them as an opportunity, to look at them and say, what have you given me, God, that I can use in that person's life to help them become the person that you want them to be? It's a different way of looking at things. See, when I have my agenda, it's about me. It's about me getting things done, about me feeling good. But you know, when I look at the cross of Christ, I realize that's not the right way to look at things. What really matters is Jesus. His agenda was me, and his agenda was the people I interact with every day. How can I live my life in a way that gives honor to that? How can I interact with people in a way that, that values them and helps me to pour into their life something that might be useful, that might be valuable? A lot of people have poured into me. Psalm 116, how can I return to the Lord? You know, all that he's done for me. Part of it's how I deal with people. It's the perspective that God's given me, that people have value and worth, just like he showed it to me, he's showing it to me with others. People are an opportunity. When Vince and Verla brought their family of four to the island where I was living at the time, they didn't know that this would be the ultimate result. This is the one thing that I have engaged in and undertaken, responding to God's call to preach and teach as a pastor or leader, the one thing that I have elected to do in response to God that has had the most amazing effects in my life, none of those have anything to do with my working them in to the plan. It's been amazing. I never understood or knew really how God makes things work when you are following God's plan. And so I ask you, what is the box that you're living in that prevents you from being fully and totally and joyfully what God wants you to do and to be as you share the love of God. Because the story itself is simple. Our task is simple. This is what our life is about. Our life is about saying to the world around us, note in our mission statement, the world around you. Saying to the world around you, hello, God says, I love you. The world is our business. And that business is sharing this news, this simple news, in many different ways 
Hello, I love you. The minute you heard that for yourself and accepted that as, wow, a wonderful gift for me, you immediately became the feet and the hands and the head and the everything else that God would use to send that message, take that message, roll that message, bring that message, share that message. That message of everlasting love to the world around you. If you're in that place this morning, this is a very good thing. Yay. But if you're not there, then I ask you again, what's up with that box? Because you know, God cannot be limited to a box. A change will come. A change will come so that God's good news is not repressed and depressed and shoved into this tight little box that we think is good, God, it's right, I'm doing all the right things. But if it's not sharing that love story, it's not really what it needs to be. That story is the main thing of our life. Jesus suffered and died and was buried and resurrected for that story for us. And we need to be in that place along with our Lord who feared nothing that this world could put in his way because we are his business. Ever was, is now, and ever will be.